Welcome into episode 29 of the Rattle Podcast. As always, my name is Jesse Friedman, along with Jeff Weiser, my co-host. And uh, Jeff, how are you doing on this lovely Wednesday evening? I'm burning up. It is above 90 degrees in Portland, Oregon, which means it's officially very hot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, compared to, to what uh, a lot of our listeners in the you know greater Phoenix area may be experiencing, I probably shouldn't complain. Yeah, we recognize there's not exactly going to be a, a wealth of sympathy out there for us. Um, but yeah, up here in uh, the Seattle metro area where I am, uh, yeah, we're at, at about 85 degrees and I've heard a, a number of complaints throughout the day of just how burning hot it is. So, uh, yeah, granted, um, we're probably making most of our listeners quite angry as we say this. Um, yeah. But all that to say, Jeff, I think we're uh, both probably doing better than the Arizona Diamondbacks um, at, the, at the moment. Uh, suffice it to say, the month of May was uh, not particularly good to them. Uh, nor has it historically been good to them, Jeff. Um, uh, our our man Joshua Inman, uh, check him out on Twitter at Roof and Panels Open. Uh, he uh, recently tweeted about the Diamondbacks' woes in the month of May over the last few years, and so we start with their record in May this year, which is five and twenty-four. Oof, that was that was rough. Uh, of course, the renowned 13 game losing streak that uh, we got to enjoy right in the middle there. Um, but beyond that, you look at the Diamondbacks in the month of May uh, since Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen took over uh, here in Arizona. Jeff, the Diamondbacks are 39 and 81 in the month of May. They've had a they've had a thing of, you know, starting out strong most years. And then if things have fallen apart, which uh, last year was was not great, obviously last year is uh, the month of May. There wasn't even baseball being played. Um, but years prior to that, the month of May uh, tended to be a, a year uh, where or tended to be a month, excuse me, where the Diamondbacks would just uh, sort of fall back to earth uh, after maybe starting things off well in the month of April. Um, so the Diamondbacks uh, in May, since Lavello and Hazen took over, they're playing at a 53 win pace out of 162 games. That's uh, 53 wins and 109 losses. That's their wow. pace with, with how they've uh, with how they've played in May compared to other months where the Diamondbacks have played at an 89 win pace. That would be 89 wins, 73 losses, all of that, according to Joshua Inman. So, Jeff, I don't really know how to explain this. It's it's hard to it's hard to make an argument here that there's something about the month of May that uh, actually gives the Diamondbacks problems for a specific reason. Other than that's just sort of how it's happened. And uh, and here in 2021, it was it was particularly ugly. Yeah, that is so weird. Um, and kudos again to Joshua for for digging that up. And it just, you know, those are things like there are certain splits that I worry about and certain splits that I don't. Like there are those, um, I don't know if you you dig into some splits on, on you know, baseball statistics. Might say how a player performs on grass, you know, like. Sure. Uh, it's still dirt in the batter's box and on the mound, so <laughs> I don't really care. Um but yeah, that is that is overwhelming. Uh, that's like over the period of uh, it sounds like you know more or less like four years or so. So that's really weird. Um, yeah, and this this May was no different, right? Just about nothing went to plan. Uh, more injuries, uh, getting guys back, you know, slowly and and trying to have them hit their stride. Um, 
some decent pitching performances spoiled by a lack of offense, some runs scored, but to no effect as pitching couldn't, you know, uh, keep runs from crossing the plate. (sighs) I mean, I I don't know. Personally, professionally, uh, and in terms of baseball, May has been a really long month. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I am. I am right there with you, Jeff. Um, yeah, we appreciate um, all of you listening here. I know it's been a while since we've gotten to do a show. Things have been uh, certainly crazy uh, in our personal lives. But uh, frankly, uh, I, I think, uh, Jeff, I think our excuse is we just wanted to wait until the Diamondbacks got out of the streak and won a game because Frankly, who who is going to listen to a Diamondbacks podcast in the middle of a 13 game losing streak? Um, but beyond that, uh, Jeff, there are some uh, some uh, slight glimpses of brightness through all of this that we want to recognize. Um, Paven Smith has been knocking the cover off the ball, especially over the last week or so. He's hitting like almost 500 uh, over the last week. He's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and he's really become, for me, Jeff, at least just one of the main storylines of this season, because uh, frankly, most things have been fairly forgettable, uh, especially on the pitching side of things. But Paven Smith comes in today. He's played basically every day. Um, I think he's taken the second most at bats on the team this year, aside from Eduardo Escobar. Uh, so he has been in the lineup pretty much every day. Um, and a lot of that is his own doing. He didn't necessarily, you know, come into the lineup as a guy who was projected to uh, stay in it every single day, but with all the injuries, he's gotten his opportunity and he's, he's certainly taken advantage of that, uh, right now, 290, 344 on base, 460 slugging percentage. Uh, things are looking pretty good for Paven Smith so far, Jeff. Yeah, it's a well-rounded skill set, um, which is, is one of the things that I appreciate. Uh, not a whole lot stands out in terms of like a true calling card, um, uh, despite what he did uh, last night in terms of hitting an absolute missile uh, yeah. off of Marcus Stroman. Yeah, um, man. You know, it's not like he has the the loudest power. Um, he doesn't walk at some, you know, Joey Votto like rate. Um, you know, he makes plenty of contact, but he will strike out a tiny bit. It's it's just a really well-rounded approach. And you know, you called out something that that I had kind of noticed in our, you know, little pre in our pre-show sort of research was that, you know, Paven came in to today's game with 214 plate appearances. Cole Calhoun, Cattell Marte, and Christian Walker came into today's game with a combined 211 plate appearances. Wow. <laughs> now, I know, you know, Paven has at times sort of filled in for Cattell in center. He's filled in for Christian Walker at first base. Uh, he's filled in at the corner outfield spots um, a bit. And so he really has been a big beneficiary of um, of the injuries. And he has done, you know, more than enough to sort of, uh, you know, warrant his, his at-bats, warrant his playing time. Um, he's made the most of it and really made a name for himself, which I think is pretty awesome. I um, you know, I remember right after he signed, he was assigned to Hillsborough and I remember seeing him in some of his very first professional games. And I was reflecting kind of last night as he, um, as he hit that home run, um, anyone who caught that will notice that as soon as he hit it, uh, he did a little bit of a backflip, uh, took a couple slow steps to first base. He definitely kind of watched that one. Yeah. Um, and, and I sort of felt like, I mean, that, that moment sort of spoke to me. Um, in a sense where I felt like Paven Smith's body language was indicating 
that he really felt like he belonged, that he he no longer is that scrappy kid, you know, hoping to sort of cling on to a roster spot. He is here. Um, he's here to stay. I don't know exactly what his role will become. I think, you know, the way he sort of finishes out uh, the next several months of the season will have a lot to say about that. Um, but he's done everything right. He's done everything asked of him. And there might still be like a little bit left in terms of growth, which has me pretty excited. Yeah, I think I've been the most impressed with with just the the versatility um, because, yeah. it, you know, if you had told me he was going to 290 slug 460, you know, I, I would I would have been pleasantly surprised. I mean, that's really good for a guy who's, you know, just kind of finding his way uh, in the major leagues. That's impressive. But I think I, I would have still maybe had questions, right? Like, OK, he seems to be primarily a first baseman, maybe a corner outfielder. You know, I, I mean, that's nice, but I don't know if that's going to play in the long term as, you know, if he's stuck at first base. Um, but, you know, he's played some center field. Uh, he's played in the corners and and he's played at first base as well. And and yeah. he's been like a pretty solid defender. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know if he's going to win any gold gloves or anything anytime soon. Um, but to me. You know, the moment he shows that level of versatility, you know, you'll you'll go with, you know, 290 and, you know, a 460 slugging percentage for a guy who can play that many positions and and do it reasonably well. I agree. And and that's where I think, you know, I received the I received a comment sort of, you know, discussing Payment Smith the other day on Twitter, you know, about, well, you know, it's basically a, a league average bat at best. Um. No, and that's maybe he's maybe kind of an unspectacular player. And, and in a sense, like I, I agree with that to a degree. Um, you know, he's not Fernando Tatis Jr. He is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, you know, he's not the he he's not gonna be on the cover of MLB the show next year. Um but at the <laughs> same time, like he doesn't have to be. Um and that's not that's not the baseline. You know, when I get excited about Paven Smith, I'm not excited about him because I think he is um, the next face of the franchise. I'm excited about him because I think he's a player who's making the most of his opportunities. He is, as you noted, defending his position well, no matter where he's penciled in, you know, around the diamond um, defensively. And he's like finding a way to contribute night in and night out. And and to me, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. I think he's still a really valuable asset. And when we look at teams like the Dodgers who have historically, you know, or especially over the last half decade or more, um, one of the places they've had that huge advantage is just they don't give at bats to really bad players. They just yeah. generally don't do that. And right now, if Cole Calhoun gets hurt, you have Paven Smith. If Christian Walker gets hurt, you give those at bats to Paven Smith. You find a place for him to play, you know, on a regular basis if everyone's healthy. And if they're not, then the guy who takes those spots being, you know, maybe being Paven. Um, you know, keeps you from having a black hole in the lineup. So he doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the face of the franchise to still be a guy who is a very important uh, part of the future of the organization. What's what's really crazy to me, I know we we touched on this uh, briefly when we were talking earlier before the show, um, just thinking about, you know, I mean, every team in baseball every year, you, you've got at least one all-star. And yeah. The Diamondbacks, because of their injuries, don't really have a whole lot of candidates for that position. Uh, Cattell Marte has only played 20 games, you know, out of 57. That's probably not enough, even if you give him another month, uh, you know, before a lot of the voting happens. So, 
I don't think Cattell is is an all-star. Zach Gallen, certainly with his injury issues, although he pitched well, uh, he's not in the conversation. There's no one else on the pitching staff who even has a remote chance. So you're basically left with uh, Carson Kelly, who has played 37 games out of uh, 57, which is only about, you know, a little bit over 60%. I think as a catcher, you know, there's probably some leeway there. I think he sure. he definitely could get a look. I mean, heck, his on-base percentage is 426. I mean, there aren't that many <laughs> catchers that... I mean, that's still insane, even though Carson Kelly hasn't hasn't hit much the last couple of weeks. Um, so you're basically down to Carson Kelly, or I don't think Eduardo Escobar is really in there. Uh, he's, you know, he's hit 13 home runs, but uh, you look at the other numbers, uh, on-base is under 300. He's just not doing a whole lot of other things. He's striking out quite a bit. Uh, David Peralta is not really in the mix either for me. So it's basically Carson Kelly or Paven Smith. And maybe Josh Rojas kind of sneaks uh, into that conversation. I never thought I'd say that, but maybe Josh Rojas yeah. sneaks into that conversation. <laughs> um, he has not pitched or has not played well uh the last couple weeks but uh he has an outside shot um but i mean i frankly jeff i don't know if that says more about paven smith or more about the diamondbacks lack of all-star options right now given the injuries and everything um but it wouldn't it be crazy if the diamondbacks representative in the all-star game was this sort of no name i mean i know he was taken in the first round and at one point was pretty highly touted but I don't think most baseball fans have actually heard of Paven Smith, and that would be pretty funny to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a short list, like you noted. I mean, the pitching staff is so decimated. The representative, you know, even just trying to find one is is not going to cut from that side of the ball. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's great that Eduardo Escobar has 13 homers and as of last night, at least, was leading the National League in RBIs at 39. Yeah, um, yeah. But but it's it's like those are really surface level statistics based on how he's sort of gone about his business. And so, yeah, it's very interesting um, that when you just think of, and and I think the way that we're framing this, right. Or the way that we're thinking about it, our mindset is sort of who's been the MVP of the team, you know, on the field, especially of late. Yeah. You know, kind of feels like, and I mean, you know, we don't, we obviously don't want to like ride the wave too much and, you know, get carried away with a small sample, but, it sure feels like whether it's in the field or at the plate, Paven Smith has kind of been right in the middle of the action. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, boy, that's so weird. Eduardo Escobar does like, he's like right at the top in the national league and RBIs. That's, that's really strange. It's, it's always strange when you feel like a guy is having a pretty subpar season and yet he's like at the top of the leaderboards and some things that, uh-huh. that did catch my ear recently on the broadcast. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I can, I'm glad that we can re- rewind TV these days because I was like, wait, I got to hear that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hey, that's a good segue into the next thing I want to talk about, Jeff. And that is, what is this team going to do at, at the trade deadline in the offseason? What is the plan here? Because, you know, frankly, uh, I don't think we really saw the Diamondbacks having a, a super great shot at making the postseason and, you know, you you decimate half the roster with injuries, and that certainly didn't help things. Now they're uh, completely buried. It's basically the the Diamondbacks and the Rockies just riding the total basement in the NL West. And then it's going to be a crazy run for, uh, for first place. You're probably going to see both wild cards come out of the NL West as it's appearing right now. Uh, the Giants, Padres, and the Dodgers are all playing really, really well. Um, but the Diamondbacks are clearly on the outside looking in. And uh, in the long term, Jeff, um, 
You know, I, I don't know if we necessarily think that the Diamondbacks with this roster next year would be a whole lot better. Um, you know, maybe you get a couple guys like, you know, Pavin Smith or, or Josh Rojas or, um, you know, some of these other players to contribute a little bit more. Uh, hopefully you get more from the pitching staff next year. Some guys get healthy, but I don't know if this is really the the kind of team that you're going to be pushing all your chips on uh, in on uh, for next season. And, and with that said, you certainly have to consider, you know, should the Diamondbacks sell Escobar? Should they sell David Peralta? Should they kind of uh, move on from that generation of Diamondbacks players and, you know, make room for, you know, Dalton Varsho, even though he struggled to take 200 at bats or something for the rest of the season or, uh, you know, for make room in the rotation for for Corbin Martin to, you know, start the second half of the season in the majors. You know, there, there's some guys who who certainly could maybe use the the reps and, and it's hard to see what, you know, Escobar and Peralta and, and those sorts of guys are are bringing are bringing to uh, to the roster right now. So, uh, Jeff, what do you think? What is what is a reasonable deadline offseason, just sort of more long term plan look like? Yeah, it's a really unenviable position from just about every angle. Um, wins yep. and losses, you know, of <laughs> course. Um, but even in terms of like tradable assets, they're not really well positioned. It makes things really tough. And yet at the same time, the idea of bringing everything and everybody back is like no more appealing than selling sort of short. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that either situation really results in much meaningful difference at the end of the day. Um, you're, you can keep everybody and you're still a, you know, a bottom level team or you could trade, you could, you could trade what you can and, you know, certainly guarantee that you're going to end up there and, and maintain yet another, you know, high level draft pick for 2022. Um, so it's kind of a, it's, it's really is a tough spot. Um, you know, guys like Asdrubal Cabrera, who I think would have some trade value based on how he's been hitting and sort of just what he brings to a ball club. I mean, he's hurt and he hasn't played a lot. Yeah. Um, and his return isn't necessarily like super imminent. So um, the same goes for a guy like Cole Calhoun. Um, mm. It's just a it's just bad, like every way you want to cut it. Um, and, and I think, you know, if this team on the outside looking in. And I, I'll just, you know, speaking for myself, if on the outside looking in, you know, they were going to be a fringe contender at best if like nothing went wrong um, entering the season. I can't really see how in 2022 with the same cast, the forecast would look all that much different. Mm -hmm. um, they're not about to call up Wander Franco. Um, they don't have, you know, the next great, great, you know, ace level can't miss pitcher, you know, in triple a ready to go. Um, there, there are some, some guys that could come up and, and play supporting roles and kind of get their feet wet, but there's no like immediate relief here. Um, it just doesn't exist. And yeah. yet, you know, Eduardo Escobar, you know, guys will be getting older. Um, you know, if injuries are an issue now, just add another year to the equation. I, I'm just not sure how much any of this really helps. And so if it's me, I, I think you you know that you're not going to get much in return. Um, but you might start thinking about, you know, like as you said, starting to kind of clear the way for um for a guy like Dalton Varsho to really get like consistent playing time that which is something he hasn't really had a lot of. Um, and I think it's made it tough to evaluate him. I haven't really loved anything I've seen from from a guy like Josh Van Meter, but at the same time, if you really want to give that an audition, you can. 
Um, you know, maybe you, you find like try to find some space for Andy Young to play more often and get him back up. I, I'm not sure. I think you almost look at it that way. I mean, you could save some money, um, which is great for the organization. It doesn't do anything for fans. It's not really helpful. Um, you know, it, it's it's not going to be of any real benefit. Um, it's not like that money is going to immediately be reinvested into the roster. Um, I think right now you're almost looking at it more as an opportunity cost and maybe getting some guys, you know, another chance. So if it's me, I'm I'm looking to sell in just about any favorable way I can. Um, but I'm I'm probably not exploring the nuclear option. Yeah, well, I know Yankees fans certainly have a, a certain Diamondbacks player in mind that they would love to have at the trade deadline. Um, I, I can hardly believe it myself, but Cattell Marte is, has certainly been swirling in rumors, which, uh, granted, uh, the rumors are, are all from Yankees fans. There, there's no, there's no official, there's no officialness to any of these rumors. Um, but, but certainly, you know, if you wanted to go that route, I'm sure you could get quite a haul for Cattell Marte. But I, I think we'd both be shocked if that ever happened um at least anytime soon so uh, yeah it it really is a, a kind of an unfortunate spot uh you'd love to see is and cole calhoun get healthy not just for their own sake but they were both hitting pretty dang well in the in the small samples that we have of each of them so i'm sure there's uh you know maybe a trade that could be could be done there um uh, caleb smith has been i i guess useful out of the bullpen uh, I could see him being appealing to to maybe a contender, although at this point it looks like Caleb Smith might be needed in the starting rotation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the uh, the the arms over there are really dropping like flies. Um, and I guess with that, we should we should give a brief injury update here. Um, I'm sure all of you have heard Zach Gallen is hurt. There's a, a some sort of a UCL issue. Uh, doesn't seem to be a total tear. They're not pursuing Tommy John surgery, so. The sky isn't falling yet is really all I can say on that front. Um, but Zach Allen threw a bullpen the other day, threw 30 pitches and all of his pitches and apparently felt good. So hopefully we get to see him uh, again at some point. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, the other guy uh, in the more recent uh, injury uh, injury category, Bumgarner was removed with a start uh, today. Uh, here as we record on on Tuesday or on Wednesday, June second, uh, Bumgarner. After a couple of innings, he was not particularly effective, and he said he had a shoulder issue that had been bothering him. Uh, so he's getting an MRI tonight, uh, maybe as we speak, and uh, I guess we'll we'll follow. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, those results are already out. But uh, certainly not great news there. Um, but I'm curious uh, from your standpoint, Jeff, on the uh, on the Zach Gallon issue. Um, you know, we sort of played this game. Um, uh, last year with Luke Weaver, um, you know, him coming back from, from an issue where, uh, you know, it seemed like his UCL had a, had a bit of a problem and they weren't opting for Tommy John surgery. He was going to try to ramp it up and, uh, with rehab and treatment and all of those things, he was going to try to come back and pitch. And, um, he is now hurt again, not, I, I don't believe with that particular issue, but, uh, with something else. So, um, certainly things didn't end super well there, but what do you think about the prospect of Zach Gallen sort of working his way back? It's so weird. You, you, you know, hear the term UCL and you immediately think Tommy John surgery. Um, but frankly, Jeff, it, it sort of feels like it might only be a matter of time before that's the reality for, for Zach Gallen. Yeah. And I think often it is. Um, and, and I know there's, you know, there's sometimes the, the thought process is like, well, if there's an injury, like just, you know, 
cut him, cut him now. And let's like get the rehab going. Um, right. Cause everyone's staring at the clock going, well, can he, can he throw the first pitch of opening day, 2023? Um, you know, so, I, I understand that. Um, you know, I think for, for anyone interested, I think Jeff Passan's book of the arm is um, a tremendous resource yeah. um, and just a, a really, really great read. And, and certainly brought, um, brought some things to light for me that I, I didn't understand. There are definitely some, some ties to the diamondbacks in that book as well. So a nice like local connection. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not automatic. So, you know, sending him for surgery, you know, is, is, does not mean that he's, you know, it's not so routine. Like there are guys that go for the surgery and of course it's come so far. Uh, but there are guys that they go for Tommy John and, and don't really come back the same or don't come back at all. Um, guys who, who have it once start throwing and then end up having to have it again. Um, so I, I say all that because it's, it's not, it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, and since, you know, he does not have apparently a full tear of the UCL, it, it does make some sense to continue to try to rehab him, build strength, um, maybe build, you know, continue to build muscles around, um, around the elbow to take maybe a little pressure off, um, and do what they can to sort of mitigate things. So, uh, I, I think they're, I think they're exploring their, their best options there, but it's certainly scary anytime, um, you know, arguably the best player on the roster uh, has such a threatening injury. Um, and so, so yeah, I think it's, it's still a wait and see kind of thing. I mean, I think, you know, uh, seeing the kind of form he's able to come back with and, or what he's able to produce over the rest of the season means a great deal. Um, if he faces any kinds of setbacks that only increases the odds. And so, um, of him needing, needing the procedure. So, uh, definitely watching that one closely. I think it has a lot of ramifications and I think it, it ties back to what they ties back to what they do with the trade deadline and what they do this winter um, because they may be playing 2022 without their best pitcher. Mm. Um, so just another reason to keep an eye on it. I mean, it's, it's hard because it's not like we get, you know, we don't get updates every five hours on, on how it's going. Um, you know, right. we find out that Zach gallon didn't have any elbow, you know, uh, you know, pain while eating chips and salsa. Um, you know, there's like no news. We just don't hear anything for like a long time, but, you know, anytime there is news, it's probably the most pertinent thing that we could be paying attention to. Yeah, I, I want to touch for a second just on uh, the the rotation, the pitching staff as a whole. Um, I think, you know, the, you mentioned the offensive struggles. It's funny on our last show, we were looking at a team that had been extraordinarily good offensively and the pitching just wasn't really there. And so, you know, we kind of asked the question back then. You know, if the if the pitching starts to figure things out, this could actually be a really good baseball team. Uh, but on the flip side, if the hitting falls back to earth, this could be a really bad baseball team. And unfortunately, the latter is is what happened now as we as we look back on things. Um, but but it, it has been really rough, Jeff, uh, not just because of the injuries. You know, a few guys have, have come back. Madison Bumgarner had a really good stretch there for a little bit. Um, maybe uh, it's because of the shoulder, but uh, certainly hasn't really looked like the same guy as last few times out. Uh, Merrill Kelly, in, in some ways, his numbers don't look too bad. He's not walking a lot of guys. His strikeout numbers are, are, are OK, but um, he certainly seems to be allowing maybe a little bit more loud contact than normal. Um, guys like Riley Smith, uh, you talked about a team like the Dodgers that just, 
You know, the, their next man up is 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 a pretty good pitcher normally or on, on the pitching staff side or, you know, on the position player side. Their next man up is always someone who's formidable and, and you know, ready for the opportunity. That just hasn't been the case for the Diamondbacks this year. Uh, the, the guys who have come up to replace some of these ailing arms have just been pretty brutal to watch. Uh, Seth Frankoff and John Duplantier got a start recently. Corbin Martin got a couple starts. They're really not getting any help from any of these guys. Um, and you know, coming into the season, we said the pitching depth is not great. And, and Jeff, we are certainly seeing the ramifications of that, uh, play out right now. Yeah. Um, you know, just I was sort of comparing Paven Smith's time to the guys with injuries. I mean, Riley Smith, Taylor Widener, Matt Peacock, and Seth Frankoff have combined to make 16 starts this season, which accounts for nearly 30% of the team's games. Wow. Um, and I'll think back to sort of, you know, uh, the times that I've spent working at Baseball Prospectus and and sort of doing uh, Pakoda forecasts and Pakoda projections. One of the hardest things to nail down is how playing time is going to be allocated across a roster. Um, it's really, really difficult. I mean, we always would bake in some amount of injury time and, you know, you, you give some innings to guys like a Riley Smith because, you know, you're going to need him at some point. But yeah. it's really difficult to know how much to give them. You just, you really don't know. Um, and so I think what we've seen this year already um, is that, you know, less than 60 games in, the team has had to give way, way more innings to these types of pitchers than they ever would have wanted to. Um, I, I don't know that they really wanted to give 16 starts to, to some of these guys, um, you know, over the course of a season. And they've done it in over, you know, about a third of a season. So, mm. um it's it's been tremendously tremendously difficult and it's they're just uh you know having to sort of suffer through it a night at a time and and hope for the best i mean matt peacock and riley smith are just throwing a ton of sinkers and hoping to get ground balls taylor <laughs> widener is you know has had some moments where he's looked okay but i mean also in a vacuum taylor widener is is not going to save this pitching staff when he comes back from the injury that he's currently out with so yeah. um it's it's just been a really really tough go and um, it's one of those things you just can't predict. And, um, I think we're seeing sort of the, I think we're seeing the effects of that, the effects of having to, to give Zach gallon starts to, to Matt Peacock. Um, this is what that looks like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of the diamondbacks worst nightmare in many ways. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what's happened so far. Um, well, hey, on a on a brighter note, uh, looking to the future of this team, obviously things have, have not gone great so far this season. But uh, we know this this farm system is uh, is formidable. It's been highly touted for for several years now, really, ever since Mike Hazen came around. Um, I, I want to get to the prospects uh, in a second, Jeff. You'll have to give us our our most recent uh, our our most recent update. Um, but first, I want to hit on the first year player draft, uh, which is coming up here soon. All sorts of mock drafts are, are coming out. The Diamondbacks will have the sixth overall pick uh, in the first year player draft this year. And some of these names are, are probably names that, that you've heard if you're a casual baseball fan. I know I see, you know, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. um uh, footage uh, going through my Twitter feed all the time. Uh, some of these guys are, are guys that uh, you might be uh, you might be somewhat familiar with. But uh, but Jeff, I'm curious. The Diamondbacks uh, in a pretty good spot at number six overall. The top of the draft seems to be uh, 
I don't know if I would say stacked, but there's certainly several guys that are supposed to be pretty darn good. Uh, and the Diamondbacks will probably have one of those guys available for them at number six. So uh, what are we uh, what are we looking to see uh, when the Diamondbacks select uh, their their pick in the first round? Yeah, they're going to get a good player, which I think is is the good news. And I, I think the hard part is that no one has any idea which guy that's going to be. Um, and I'm, I'm sure the organization is starting to sort of settle in on its, you know, preference list and, and really start to cement that. Um, but you noted, I mean, there's, there are kind of five guys at the top of the draft, um, lighter and rocker from pitchers, both right-handed pitchers from Vanderbilt, um, Jordan Lawler and Marcelo Mayer, who are, you know, high school short stops. Um, and then catcher, uh, Henry Davis from Louisville, um, are kind of your, your, your like power five and the diamondbacks pick sixth. Um, so, uh, the hard part is that, you know, it's been really fluid that, that top five has, has really been fluid. Um, it's been really difficult to nail down sort of who's going to go where it's been really difficult, frankly, to nail down who the best of those five is. Um, you know, I think if we rewound the tape a couple months, you know, we'd hear different names and it's been kind of a game of musical chairs up there. So I think for the diamondbacks where they sit at sixth, you know, they're kind of probably weighing two scenarios. Um, one in which one of the five teams above them goes kind of off the off the script and does not take one of those five players. In which case, one of those five players would fall to Arizona. And depending on who that is, you know, they, they probably pull the trigger on, on whomever that is. Um, but if all five of those guys go in those top five picks, um, they have some options. I think a guy like Sal Frelick, who's a center fielder from Boston College, makes a ton of sense. Um, he's sort of in that mold of guys. They like guys who make a lot of contact, have the ability to hit for power and can play good outfield defense. Um, he just kind of has even the body type of a Corbin Carroll, Alec mm. Thomas type. Yeah. So, uh, just sort of that type of player. Um, they want to take a little more risk. Brady house is a shortstop, uh, a high school shortstop out of Georgia. Who's uh, been on the, uh, scout radar for a really long time. Um, and is, you know, has all the things you look for. Um, but it's just a, it's a little bit of a younger package with a little more risk there, you know, and then I could even see, you know, them, if they wanted to do something maybe really different, um, you know, you could look at maybe a guy like, uh, Jackson Job, who's the, um, you know, hard throwing right-handed pitcher, um, of the high school variety, but you know, uh, high school righties that high in draft it just hasn't hasn't gone especially well. So um, I, I would be quite surprised to see them do that. I really think it probably comes down to um, comes down to maybe one of those top five slipping. And if if that doesn't happen, Frelick to me seems like the most obvious choice. But we'll see what they do. Um, they they've played things pretty straight in the past. I don't see them doing anything super creative. I don't think at number six they're going to draft some guy we've never heard of. So. Mm. Um, they're going to get a good player and that's, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm looking at Sal, Sal Frelick. He's list, listed at five, nine, one seventy five. He sounds like a diamondbacks draft pick already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we also, it's uh, funny. Matt McLean is, uh, at least on MLB yeah. pipeline, he's ranked number 12. Of course, Matt McLean, the diamondbacks took him, uh, in the first round with the 25th overall pick back in 2018, um, but he was a strong commit to UCLA. They couldn't sign him. He went to UCLA and now he finds himself back in the MLB draft, probably in the top 10, top 15, top 20, something in that range. 
Um, so kind of funny to see his name pop up again. Uh, Jeff, no matter what happens, this is a pretty big draft for this organization. Um, you look at just the way that prospects so far for them have uh, panned out or or not panned out in, in some ways. There are a few guys we've been really, really high on that seem to have maybe taken a step back or two. And, and that's sort of life with, you know, having a good farm system. You know, you have it one day and the next day things have completely changed. And uh, I don't think that's the case for the Diamondbacks. I think they're still riding high. There's a lot to be excited about. Uh, but this is going to be really big for them to just continue to try to stockpile the farm system, continue to try to build for the future. Uh, the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, in a, in a few years, you you know, you see some of these guys at the at the lower levels of the minors, maybe eventually coming up and maybe there's a window to contend uh, in a few years once those guys make it. But uh, we certainly think they're going to they're going to need some reinforcements on top of that as well. Um, and speaking of speaking of reinforcements, uh, Jeff, I know you're the uh, the Diamondbacks minors guy. Um, give us uh, your take how have things looked so far the minor league baseball season is underway uh, it's been going for uh, for about a month now uh, how are things so far for for the diamondbacks and the farm system yeah they've they've sort of you know suffered some suffered some losses right at the very top um corbin carroll played about a week and a half and was shut down with a shoulder injury but he was lighting the world on fire with you know yeah the plate. Um, so hard so to see Oh, so hard to see. Just an absolutely, you know, just a tough, tough blow. Um, you know, Christian Robinson has had his off the field struggles, and to my knowledge, is still um, stuck in the Bahamas visa issues. Um, so that's really their their two best prospects that have have really done, you know, next to nothing or absolutely nothing. Um, Geraldo Perdomo isn't hitting at all, and is all of a sudden striking out a lot. Um, but on the pitching side of things, things have been considerably different. Um, you know, there are some really nice uh, K to walk ratios out there. I think the pitching as a whole has really taken a step forward. The starting pitching has, um, you know, Blake Walston is is really kind of holding his own. Um, the ERA is not great. But the K to walk numbers are excellent. Um, and I think especially down, you know, we talk about like low A. I think, you know, for, for folks that watch Major League Baseball on a nightly basis, if you have access to like a level baseball, um, you know, nearby you go see it, go yeah. watch what the defense looks like behind some of these pitchers um, and go see some of the conditions that they play in. And, and you may start to take minor league ERAs with the grain of salt um, is all I'm saying. So they've, they've <laughs> had some sort of standouts. Um, Slade Chaconi, Bryce Jarvis and Dre, Dre Jameson have all, you know, performed reasonably well, um, you know, for, for Hillsborough, Tommy Henry's been, been kind of, you know, up and down a bit, but seems to be kind of getting his footing in double A. Levi Kelly is back um, in double A and is kind of building, building himself back up. So um, things are moving in a, in a better direction from a, from a pitching standpoint, you know, the position player side has taken some hits. Alec Thomas has actually been really great, um, mm. you know, and actually um, a guy that we, we haven't talked about much, but uh, Seth beer is kind of, uh, you know, knocking on the door again. So, um, <laughs> you know, Reno is obviously an enviable place to hit, but he's kind of doing his thing. So, um, all in all it's, you know, it's a small snapshot. It's, it's the first month of the year. A lot of these guys didn't play at all. or only played at the complex, um, last year. So it's still really weird. Um, and understanding just kind of how to, how to take everything and how to weigh everything is, it hasn't all kind of settled out yet, especially, you know, in, in my head as we, sort of try to evaluate what's happening right now. So love to see another month or two of, of action. And, um, 
you know, I'll be, be back out in Hillsborough here probably next week. So, um, yeah, just trying to, trying to stay on top of it, but for now the, the pitching has really shined. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. And, and it, yeah, as far as, as far as Seth beer goes, you know, I mean, Christian Walker has been back, uh, with the diamondbacks for a few days. So it's, he's, he's certainly bound to have his arm fall off or something here yeah, in the next couple of games. So <laughs> something terrible has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The diamondbacks are getting too many guys back from injury. Uh, certainly something disastrous is about to go down. Um, uh, speaking of guys coming back from injury, I think a good way to end our show today is to talk about Cattell Marte who is back with the team after a pretty extensive hiatus. He was about, he was out for about six weeks, I think altogether with a hamstring issue. Um, and he is back and uh, Jeff, it seemed to take him a few games to maybe find his rhythm again offensively, but uh, he's hit a couple home runs now in the last few days. And uh, it is, it is good to watch that man play baseball again uh, every, uh, every night, day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's nice to have him back. Um, you know, uh, my Twitter feed often at, you know, late at night is, uh, me wishing Cattell well, uh, at the plate with the game on the line. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he's one of those, he's one of the guys that, um, you know, especially in an injury depleted roster that, you know, it's, uh, let's, let's just say it's the seventh inning. There's, you know, one out, the team's down a run or two. And you're thinking like, Oh, somebody needs to get on base one or two guys here because, we need to make sure Cattell gets up in the ninth. You know, it's just like <laughs> you, you sort of you hate to sort of pin your hopes and dreams on one guy. But if there was one guy you were probably going to do it with right now, it'd still be Cattell Marte. And um, it's been nice to see him, you know, uh, you know, just sort of find his fi- start to find his groove again, um, start to play really loose again. He looks like he's coming back to his old self and and sort of feeling even better on the field. And man, when he connects and it's just um it's just violent poetry. I don't know how else to say it. It's um, it's really something to behold, and uh, yeah, certainly, certainly be watching it on a nightly basis because um, we're lucky, we're lucky, we're able to watch him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, hey, with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up episode twenty nine of the Rattle Podcast. I just realized, Jeff, we didn't take any listener questions for this episode. It's kind of sad, uh, but hey, that means we have to make up for it on Twitter. Um, right. So be, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Rattle AZ. You can find me at, at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, Jeff is at Outfield Grass 24. As we mentioned, Joshua Inman, our other writer, uh, you could find him at, at Roof and Panels Open. Um, uh, we would love to hear from you over there. Uh, love to hear what you thought of the show. Uh, anything that stuck out to you, anything you want to discuss further. Uh, we'd love to continue the conversation over there on social media. Um, but with that, uh, we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, should be back with uh, with another episode here hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, uh, Jeff, let's let's hope things get better uh, here in, in the next few weeks. Hopefully June is kinder to the Diamondbacks than the month of May was. Uh, that feels like like a reasonable thing to ask for, but we'll we'll see yep. what happens. Um, but yeah, thanks again so much for listening, and we'll be back here soon uh, to talk more about the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks. 